My guest this week is truly multi-talented, an actor, director, producer, best known for his theater and television work. He has worked alongside Jane Curtin, Meryl Streep, Danny DeVito, Jason Alexander, Ashton Kutcher, and Angela Lansbury. For six years in the 1980s, he played obnoxious lounge singer Sonny Mann on the TV series It's a Living. In 2007, he received a Tony Award for his directing of Jay Johnson in his one-man show, The Two and Only. It is my privilege to introduce Mr. Paul Kreppel. Okay. Hello, Ian. Hello. It's Kreppel or Kreppel? Kreppel is fine. Okay. So I always start off by asking any of the guests, where and when were you born? <laughs> I was born in Kingston, New York. First capital of New York State, established 1652 by the Dutch. And, uh, and I was raised there. And it was many years ago now. How did that happen? I still feel like I'm about uh, 20. Uh, and I was born 73 years ago. And wow. I'm proud okay. to say it. Good. And you went to school in Kingston? Correct. Uh, yes, I went to elementary, middle, and high school in Kingston. Okay, do you remember? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do I remember what? Do you remember the first time you... Uh, Saw either a professional show or television. Well, I remember watching early television, and uh, I don't think I saw a professional show until <clears throat> many years later. Uh, but I would watch the original Mickey Mouse Club, and <laughs> one of those people who just stood in front of the TV and memorized every line and kind of imagined myself being on the show and sang every song with them. But I also remember watching the early Ernie Kovacs okay. and being blown away by his creativity. Uh, show of shows. I mean, I was I was around to the beginning of TV, and uh, and I remember a lot of it. I remember Winky Dink. I remember uh, Howdy Doody. I remember I remember all that stuff and all of the great Western shows that were being done at the time. And when you think about it, it wasn't that long after the Wild West when those things were being done comparatively. We're talking 65 years ago. And you're the second person in a row on my podcast to well, um, mention Winky Dink. Wow. Well, you must be talking to a lot of old people. Because Winky Dink was, uh, was interactive. It was an interactive television show. And I'm sure they, they expressed it, too. It was, you sent away for a screen that you then rubbed on your TV, you, you know, you bought the, the product and Winky Dink would get into adventures and like be at the end of a cliff and you would have to draw the bridge on the screen so that he could get from where he was to the other side. Uh, they finally stopped doing that because some people didn't send away for the equipment and kids were at home using crayons on their television sets. Yes, uh, my f I think either my mother or my father got in trouble for doing that. And the uh, per very, right. and the person was Cy Rosen. I don't know if you know him. I I don't know Cy Rosen, but I certainly know who Cy Rosen is. All right. Okay, so you went to Emerson College. I did. I went to Emerson College uh, in uh, during the sixties. An amazing time to be in Boston. An amazing time to be that age. In the late sixties. I'm sure, and. Um, Henry Winkler was two years in front of you, and Andrea Martin was two years under you. Did you meet any of them? Um, Andrea, was, Andrea might have 
class right after me. Okay. Uh, and Henry was two years ahead of me, but Henry was a dear friend then, and I still consider Henry to be a dear friend. We speak, we stay peripherally in touch. He's been really busy, and I'm in New York. And uh, he and Stacy were, I can't tell you how wonderful they were when I first moved to Los Angeles to explore a career. And he was already the Fonz, and they just, uh, they welcomed me with open arms and had me over to the house and would send me home with leftovers. They were, they were, they were incredible. Henry, Henry is just an unusual, wonderful man. I, everyone says nicest guy in Hollywood. Henry is everything anybody ever says about him. Okay, and you, um, and at college, you joined or started the prep, the proposition. I, I joined it not while I was in school. I went. I went to Emerson for a year, I left for a year, I went back for a year, and then I left. Um, and, you know, to finish up on Andrea, Andrea was incredibly talented then, and still is, and I just, I love running into her, and anytime I see her, it's just, you know, go back to the, to that age. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was a great time to be, to be in Boston, and when I was out of school, I ended up being in a children's theater company because that's kind of what I thought I was going to be doing my whole life. So I went to Emerson. They had a good children's theater department. Okay. Uh, Mavis Series was the name of the woman who taught it. And so we would tour on Saturday mornings. I was playing rock and roll Friday nights till 2 in the morning and then getting up at 6, loading up a van and going to schools and doing children's theater. But then I got into a company called the, children, the Charles Playhouse Children's Theater Company, which was a pretty... And it's still a respected name in Boston for theater. Used to have a rep company, and I was in their children's theater company. And two of the other people in it were uh, some of the founding members of the proposition. And they said you should come and audition for the proposition. So I did, and uh, took a little while, but eventually I got into the show. Uh, we had uh, Judy Kahn on. I like to say we. Oh, my, my Judith Ellen Kahn. Yes. Yes. Uh, very nice lady. Um, the so far the only person, the only female who's actually returned my uh, text or email, but I don't, I don't know why. Actually, Margaret Oberman is going to come on in September, but um, and uh, Josh Mustel was in the proposition. Josh and I ended up being roommates. We uh, we lived together up in in Cambridge after I was in the show and. Came down to New York together to to, uh, to open it off Broadway. And the proposition was amazing, and it was you know the early early days of improvisation. There was Second City, and then there were certain companies that were starting to sprout up around the country. The committee, um, and uh, you know Ace Trucking Company, mm-hmm. and we were all real supportive of each other back in the late sixties. But in seventy one, we brought the show down to off Broadway. And that was Judy Kahn, Josh Mustel, Munson Hicks, Jane Curtin, and mm-hmm. myself. And uh, we were the original off-Broadway cast. Right. And uh, so Fred Grandy was not on the in the Broadway cast, off-Broadway cast. He, he did eventually. He, he had left the show. He was one of the founding members of him, up in Boston, okay. if I'm not mistaken, before I did the show in Boston. And uh, and Fred did join the show in New York, and he was he, he was a brilliant improvisational actor uh, still is and one of the smartest, funniest people I think I've ever met in my life. And, and I, 
still consider it to be a, a very good dear friend. And and his daughter is a wonderfully talented actress singer who's now in in Chicago. And his son Charlie is a writer in L.A. And his other daughter is is pretty magical. Uh, I love watching all of the kids of all the friends that I've had throughout my life. I feel mm -hmm. very close to all of them. And you did the David Frost show with with Way a, back while we yeah. were. While we were in New York, we did the David Frost show. I don't think it was our best uh, television effort. It was It was always kind of difficult to do improv on on those kind of shows live because we really had no written material, and we would try. We would kind of balk when we would get suggestions. We had had a million times. You know, we wanted always to try and keep it fresh. I don't remember that as being one of our best efforts. Um, but David, you know, David Frost has and a remarkable history in London being involved in comedy. Mm -hmm. And 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 so, and I don't even think I knew that. We were very young. I didn't know the history of everything I was even involved in. We just kind of were doing it by the seat of our pants. But yes, we did the David Frost show. We we did the Mer, Mer, not, we did the Mike Douglas show. And he had a guest host that day. who was, um, oh boy, don't do it. Anyway. Yes, we, we got to do a lot of those shows, and we were, uh, it was an amazing time. Yeah, David Frost clip I saw on YouTube, but it's been taken down. Um, it was on YouTube. Down, I didn't. Yeah, somebody said, oh, Jane Curtin's television debut, and then when I went to find it, uh, when I was going to interview uh, Judy Khan, it wasn't there anymore, so somebody must have taken it down. Ah, yes, I think, well, I've seen it. Um, Jane and I did... Uh, a gibberish improv on it where we were doing foreign films and different made up like, you know, different languages, say French, French, German, and, and the attitudes of the films and the people. Uh, when you look back at it now, it's not totally politically correct, but some of it was funny. That's all important. Um, did you audition for Saturday Night Live? I did. We all did. Uh, I think they were mainly, they were looking for more women than they were men. And uh, and Jane was perfect for the show. She was a perfect complement to what was going on at the time. And we knew nothing about the show. I think I went in, I, I always did a lot of physical comedy. And uh, I, I did not go in with any specific characters in mind. I just kind of, I, and I don't remember who I auditioned with. It was somebody else from the proposition because we kind of teamed up when we got the auditions. It was after we had, the show had already closed in New York, as my memory serves. Uh, it was like 1974. I think I might have been doing Godspell at the time, but I, I, I think I auditioned with somebody uh, from the proposition. Yes, I did audition. And uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm not on the show. <laughs> I always admired the show, though, and, uh, and I had great respect for a lot of the people. Jane had an interesting story because they were also at the same time Howard Cassell was going to have a mm. variety show on television same year. Jane was offered both shows. And uh, one, Howard Cassell's show was on prime time, and she was going to be part of a company there. And uh, the other show was Lauren Michaels, and she had already, she knew Lily Tomlin and maybe had been part of a, of, of a, 
one of the Lily Tomlin specials. I don't remember. I know Jane was, or Judy was on one. Yes. And, and so she yeah. knew Lauren Michael, and I think they decided that it was going to be a more creative session uh, process to be involved in the not prime time show. And it worked out great. Well, it was interesting. Because didn't last very long, and Jane went on to be a founding member of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, well, what's interesting. Jane is such a talented, is such a talented lady. Mm. Uh, I got to spend some time with her uh, two summers ago. We we got to see each other, and I hadn't seen her in a few years. And she's she's so it was wonderful to be you know spend some time with her again. What's interesting is when she uh, auditioned for the Howard Cosell, she they teamed them up, and she was teamed up with John Belushi. And it came down to her. It came down to her and Mimi Kennedy for Saturday Night Live, and she beat. And they went with her because she was the most uh, midwestern lo- looking. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you did well, a lot. Mimi's done, Mimi's done a lovely career. And oh yes, done well, and and she's also a dear friend. So these are good people. Oh yeah. It was an amazing time to be in New York. The actors, we all we all knew each other. We were all supportive of each other and and uh, yeah. Um, it was a fun time in the early seventies to be in New York. We then all decided to move to California. Jane never really moved to California for very long. Uh, but New York ended up being not and it was a bit funkier in the mid to late seventies and a lot of us went out to LA. Hmm. And then you did Godspell for three years? I did Godspell right after the proposition. I left the proposition, and Judy Kahn was doing Godspell, and she called me and she said, you know, this is a show that's kind of made for what you do. Uh, so I ended up doing Godspell for about two years. I directed a couple of companies. I still have uh, – that was an amazing family. We're still all pretty darn close because we would switch companies and – and uh, it was a, a real community. When you're in a show like that, and uh, Chorus Line has the same thing, Wicked is, is the same way. When you're in a long-running show, and I'm sure all the other long-running shows have a similar feel, especially that one. It was such an ensemble show. We were all on stage for the whole time. I always tell the story that at one point, I was asked to be part of, I was asked to go into uh, Greece. Mm. I auditioned Greece. And so they said, you know, they offered you, the sh- you can do the show. And I said, wow, that's very exciting. Uh, and, you know, so they said, and here's how much money you'll make. And I said, well, you know, that's really, that's $10 more than I'm making off Broadway and Godspell. And I said, so wait a minute, I get $10 more. I have to cut my hair, shave my mustache, and I'm not on stage the whole show. Nah, I'll stay where I am. <laughs> I was going to tell you, <laughs> I love the mustache. Paul Schaefer, yeah. he was on...
So he was involved in the film, but I didn't see him at that time, I don't think. I may have met him then. But he came down full-time to be part of The Magic Show, which was produced by the same people, uh, Edgar Lansbury and, uh, and Gang. And so that's when I uh, became familiar with and, and friends with with Paul Schaefer. Uh, what, a, what an incredible talent and man. He's, he's so uniquely gifted. I, I just adore him. Uh, and we've gotten to work together a few times. We did about a year and a half ago. We did a benefit together that he, uh, he came in. We did a bit of a Godspell reunion, and I was directing the benefit. We did all music of Stephen Schwartz, mm. and I got a, a, a small gang of people that had done the show from different aspects, from the film and from Broadway, uh, off Broadway, and over the years. And we did a bit of a, a medley, and he got introduced, jumped down the piano, and just had a couple of notes in front of him, never had a piece of sheet music in front of him. Yeah. Uh, he just, he retains everything in his head as if it were yesterday, yeah. Mr. Schaefer. I always like people that have the same birthday as me. Oh, he has the same birthday as you? Yeah, November 28th. Well, happy birthday last year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you did... Um... An off-Broadway show called The Glorious Age? I did, and it was directed... <laughs> now you're picking out the winners. Uh, oh, I, I directed don't... by John Michael Tevelak, who was the director, the original director of Godspell. What a sweet man he was. And it was uh, a musical based on the Middle Ages. Okay. Written by a man named Di Young, not, not the picture. Right. But... Uh, and we had a great time doing it. It was not a successful show. But the cast was, am I, am I, I have this right? Blair Brown, Ted Danson, Danny DeVito, and Linda Lavin, and yourself? No, no, that, that was a Comedy of Errors. Oh, okay. The park. That was, that, that was a, that was an amazing show. Uh, that was in Central Park, you know, the Shakespeare Festival, public theaters, uh, at the Delacorte Theater, directed mm -hmm. by John Pasquin, who went on to direct some film and a lot of television. And it was Blair Brown, Danny DeVito, Ted Danson, Linda Lavin, uh, Roxanne Hart, Michael Tucker, uh, Don Scardino, uh, and uh, just an amazing cast. Uh, mm. Before any of those people were who they were, uh, Jeffrey Jones. Oh, yes. Uh, so it was a really, we, we laughed. When you do a show in Central Park, it's like going to camp. And you're all professionals and you're out in the open air and you just fall in love with each other and whatever show you're doing, it's, it's one of the more magical things I think I had the privilege of being a part of. And you did Agamemnon in the park as well? I did. Uh, a couple of years later uh, with Andre Serban directing and Elizabeth Suedos uh, wrote the music and uh, she and I uh, got very close and I, I, I don't want to say collaborate, but I worked with her on many shows around that time, and it was one of the most creative times I feel I ever uh, got to experience. I was involved in concerts with her. Uh, I was involved in putting Runaways together with her, which went on to Broadway. And uh, and we're talking about a lot of people who are gone, and God bless Liz Suedos. She is one of those people who left us a couple of years ago who I... I think of in this uh, every day. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you did uh, Joseph and the Amazing. Right. She, had, she had a pretty 
wonderful life. It's just she, she, she went much too young. Oh. You did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Academy of Music yes. with the hopes of it moving to Broadway, but there were some union issues bringing a whole choir. We, it was it was the original version of the show as done uh, at the uh, <clears throat> at the Young Vic in in London, and it was directed by Frank Dunlop, the amazing Frank Dunlop, uh, and it starred Cleavon Little. Mm. So the original production had a male narrator, and it was Cleavon Little, and it was choreographed by uh, Graziella Danielle. Starred David James Carroll, wonderful, beautiful actor, who went on and did Grand Hotel and Chess uh, before passing uh, from AIDS. And another one, who, another great loss. And that also was a great experience. We had a blast. You know, the people who do this that really... It, it, I love doing it. I love being with the community of people. If I wasn't an actor, I'd still be involved in this business because I just love the energy and level of creativity of the people involved. And you did uh, two other ones, before, uh, Vagabond Stars and Sweet Main Street. Two other yeah, well, that was a little later, actually. Oh, okay. When we did, we did Joseph, I think it was like 77. We did it for two Christmases at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. 77, 78 is what the, yeah, it's what the inter- 77 and 78. Um, Sweet Main Street, I think, was, I know was after, because that was, I think, the last thing I did in Manhattan before I moved to L.A. And that was a Carol Hall show, Carol Hall, who wrote uh, Best Little Warehouse House in Texas. Okay. And she wrote the music, and Leslie Gore also was involved mm. in it, writing uh, with Carol. And, uh, and I got very close to Leslie, too, who, another one who I missed, who mm. uh, was involved in a benefit we did uh, almost 10 years ago. She, and she was, she was just such an amazing lady. Uh, and Sweet Main Street was, was the songs of, 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 of uh, Carol Hall, and she wanted to put it on an evening. We did it at the Manhattan Theater. I'm sorry, Playwrights Horizon. Farley Granger. Who I know that name. Hitchcock was in it. He was in Hitchcock films. Mm. This very handsome man. And he was in New York and he was doing a musical. And I had no idea that he was he could do a musical. I think he was in Broke, among other... He did a couple of Hitchcock films, if I'm not mistaken. And there was a, a beautiful woman in it named Pauletta. Who, uh, she was dating this nice-looking guy. And uh, I, I ran into her in L.A., and she came over to me at a, at a gym and said, oh, hi, it's Pauletta. And I said, oh, yeah, hi, yeah, we did Sweet Main Street. She said, yeah. And I said, so how you been? And she said, well, Denzel and I got married. Oh. And I went, huh? <laughs> I didn't know we were working that she was dating Denzel Washington. And he must have been young. He was very young. That, it was that, 70. Yeah. Seventy. That was seventy nine, I think. Yeah, it was seventy nine, and uh, Carbon Copy didn't come out until nineteen eighty one. His first right. film. Yeah. So, well, that was the yeah, that was the beginning of his career. And then you went to L.A. and you made your TV debut. Oh, and Vagabond Stars. Oh, was, I'm Vagabond sorry. Vagabond Stars was at the uh, was at the Berkshire Theater Festival. Okay. And it was about Yiddish theater. Mm. It was it was translations of songs and sketches and uh, even Shakespeare that had been 
been done in the Yiddish theater and the stars that were, it was based on a book and uh, called Vagabond Stars. And that was a, that was a beautiful production. And, and that was Spider Schwinkel and, oh. uh, and Lou Stadlin and Marilyn Sokol and a great cast. And Thelma Lee, the great Thelma Lee and Spider Schwinkel, they were the elder statesmen of our show. Mm. No Molly Picard? No, I don't think Molly was alive when we did that. No, she was on Facts of Life. Oh, we did things that she had done in the Yiddish theater, yes. She was on the Facts of Life later, so she was still alive. Oh, she might have been still alive, but maybe not capable of doing or wanting to do mm. any shows a week. Oh, no, probably not. So you went to L.A. And, and you uh, made your TV debut on the... Hey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was feeling it, and my agent said, "I'm going to New York. I'm going to LA. Give me three months, and then come out." And that's what I did. And he uh, he had really set himself up very well. My name John Kimball, and and I found I really, as soon as I got off the plane, I was thrilled to be there. And a friend of mine from high school picked me up at the airport, and he brought me to Judy Kahn's house, where I got to stay. For first few, maybe three weeks that I was in L.A., maybe even longer. She was a wonderful hostess and uh, and showed me around, showed me the Pacific Ocean for the first time. I had never been there before when mm. I moved. And then I started getting some jobs. I, and that was thrilling. Yeah, the uh, Laverne Shirley was your first television job? Actually, my third job, but it was my first guest star job, and uh, and that was fun because they were so good together. I have to say, they were really incredible. Their physical comedy and their uh, when the cameras were rolling, they were pretty magical together. Penny mm. uh, and, and Cindy and Art Garfunkel ended up guesting on the show. Mm. Because I think that he and Penny were very close and it was her birthday. And so he was guesting on the show, so I got to, to, to work with Art Garfunkel, which was a thrill. Yeah. And and because it was her birthday, a few of her friends came to the taping and she said, why don't you be in the scene? I, I played a beatnik owner of a club mm. <laughs> someplace in L.A. And they were having like poetry readings. And so... Her friends included, oh, and I, I know Terry Garr was one of them, and I think Carol Kane, and I don't remember, it might have been John Hurd. They all dressed as hippies and sang. They were in one quick shot of a table, snapping their fingers, if I'm not mistaken, in the show, wearing, wearing berets. Mm. These are the behind-the-scenes things that go on when you're doing one of these shows. That they never got a credit for it. They never wanted one, but they were there to be supportive of their friends and that's cool. And uh, the Scarlet O'Hara War was a uh, made for TV. It was a, a more than one part. It was yeah. A- that was actually that was literally the first job I got. I had one line. Scarlet O'Hara Wars were it was uh, a mini series called Moviola, and that episode was about the search for Scarlet O'Hara. Hmm. And uh, everybody in town wanted the job, and. My role was, I was a delivery man of a big package 
I'm delivering it to uh, the producer, played by Tony Curtis, and I have one line, and then the box opens, and out jumps a beautiful young lady, and one of either I or she says, hey, here's your new Scarlett O'Hara. Here's your Scarlett O'Hara. That was the whole line. But to be on my first soundstage and, be play- and have a moment with Tony Curtis was a thrill because I always a big fan of his. I thought that he could do everything. And that aired after Laverne and Shirley. That's why I thought. The only thing he couldn't do was lose his New York accent. Other than that, he could do everything. <laughs> Yonder lies the castle of my father. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but, but he was a wonderful actor and he couldn't have been more charming and supportive. Yeah, that aired after the Laverne and Charlie. That's why I just I put in the order of airing. Okay, it did. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't remember that. All right, and so you got tapped to play your most famous television role, Sunny Man, on It's a Living. How did yeah. uh, how did uh, that? It's now back on the air after after over twenty five years. It's finally on the air where people can see it. It's on Logo now, and I think the first season is on Amazon Prime, and it'll all be there, and who knows. But now it's back out there, so that's a good thing. That makes me feel good because I felt that uh, there was too much fun for that show to be in a vault someplace for the last 25 years. And the first three seasons are on Tubi, the uh, web streamer service. Okay, good. That's good to know. So you got hired, and then they went right into an actor strike, correct? And the first shot in It's a Living is the first episode, the first scene, is you singing my way. Really? Yeah, the first episode. In the, the, pilot, in the pilot? The one that aired first. Wow. Is you singing my way. So, I didn't... Okay. I, well, you know, I was, and I, I was hired to do six episodes of the first 13. Okay. And, uh, and I ended up being in every one, and I feel very blessed that I got to do that. And then, for some reason, it did thirteen episodes, and uh, ended in April. I mean, it was a short season that year because of the actors' strike. But and they let go Susan Sullivan and Wendy Shaw for whatever reason, and uh, for no real good reason, as far as I can see, they were both wonderful on the show. We had a great ensemble all the time. I mean, the show. We always worked very well together, everybody, uh, with very few exceptions or moments. And that first season was a joy for all of us. We, we were just thrilled to be there and, and really all loved each other. Marion Mercer could do no wrong. Uh, but anyway, uh, yes, somebody in the network decided that uh, we had too many women. We didn't need them all. And Wendy and Susan, uh, both who have had wonderful careers and mm. Uh, were not brought back, and they decided to do the show, change the name, and bring in Louise Lasser. And 
and we did it. We did it with Louise for one year. Did fourteen episodes with Louise the next year. Yes. Um, and they it, also changed the chef. They changed the chef the first year for Remsen, and God bless him, wonderful actor who had done a lot of Altman movies. And then the second year, Earl Bowen right. came on and played the chef, and he's known from Terminator movies playing. Uh, like the doctor or the psychiatrist. Yeah, I actually sat next to him. The only time I ever went to California, I went to the improv, and he was yeah. he was sitting next to me with Mackenzie Phillips. Oh, wow. So I have a picture of, of us together, so that was pretty cool. I was like, you're, all, you're Earl Bowen from It's a Living. <laughs> and he's like, yes. He must have you, yes. Yeah, yes. But, uh, yeah. 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 Um, I was off doing other things and I was doing more directing and I was observing on uh, Cosby in New York, I think, when I finally got a call uh, saying, would you be interested? What they had done was they put our show together with a couple of other shows by the same producer and they created a little summer package that they were airing in Texas on in syndication. Mm. And it was getting these ratings through the roof. And a man named Bob Jacobs, if I'm not mistaken, who was in charge of that distribution, went to the producers and said, you know, this is doing really well. Do you think that maybe people would come back and do it again? Because I think I could put a network together across the country and sell the show in syndication. And they called us and everybody said, yeah, we had a great time. We'd love to do it again. And so that's how the, uh, the, the last, that's how the syndications uh, portion of our run because you know we did six seasons two half seasons and then four seasons of syndication right, over nine years yeah. Of, yeah yeah and the, so the beauty of syndication is there was no network <laughs> looking over your shoulder mm. we were pretty much left alone for all those four years and that really allowed the show to grow um not that I ever had a problem personally with any networks. It's just the nature of the beast. Right. And uh, but the show really flourished, I think, when we were in syndication. And that's when they brought in uh, Dick Stahl, Richard Stahl, to play the chef, Howard. And and Anne continued the first year. Yeah. And then uh, after that, they brought in. And, and that's when Crystal Bernard joined the show. Right. Adorable Crystal. And then the second year in syndication is when Charlie Ralph came in for the last three. So those were uh, those were pretty lovely years doing the show. I, and we did it without an audience. We, mm. uh, in syndication, there was no audience, interestingly enough. We, did, we had an audience for the first two seasons, but we did not use an audience in syndication. I'll always remember It's Living because my dad came home from work and we had dinner and it always was right after It's a Living aired on Channel on Channel Nine. So right after It's a Living was dinner yeah. for four years yeah. for me. So growing up, I just always remembered. I watched that, and then we had dinner. So um, wow. you, you did a uh, great. You know, it was a great time slot to be in because I found during that time more people saw the show than when it was on the network. And we were, you know, when we first came on the air, we went up against the premiere of Magnum PI which became an immediate hit. Right. And so that's why ABC said, well, gee, how come you're not beating that other show? It was like, well, because uh, Tom Selleck just 
caught the country's imagination and took off. And we're not doing horribly, but that's why, you know, they canceled it the first year and then they brought it back and they tried it again. Uh, but, you know, it was no fault of our own or the show. I think the show was a decent show from the beginning. I, and, and, yeah. and it was a fun show. It, it had a good energy to it. The uh, my favorite two characters were you and Dot, played by uh, Gail Edwards. That's what they said with Wendy Shaw was that her character and Gail Edwards' character were too similar. I think that that was what the feeling was, and that they decided to uh, they just made a choice. I'm not sure based on what. I like both. I yeah, I like both characters. Um, you did Fantasy Island. Do you remember what your fantasy was? I certainly do. My fantasy was with my cohort, who we'll get into in a second, was to be on a, a, a tropical island with beautiful, you know, women. Right. And uh, and my cohort was Bob Denver. Oh yes. Gill- Gilligan himself. And yeah. And the, the premise was we were put on this island with beautiful women. But it was also in prehistoric times, so there were cavemen and cave women and, and dinosaurs and who knows what else. And it was silly. But uh, the, the main woman, the main beautiful woman who uh, Bob Denver is fascinated by, was played by a, a, young, a very young, beautiful lady named Patty Cotera, who about a year and a half or so later became Apollonia oh. for print. And Richard Mall from Night Court Bull was one of the uh, cavemen. <laughs> so, did he have hair? It was a fun time. I, I'm sorry. What? Did he have hair in that one? Oh, they all had big, long hair and beards, and they were wig. Uh. So yes, he did. Yeah. So, that, but that was where I first met Richard. And uh, Bob, Bob was Bob was wonderful. And I, and if you have a second for the story, sure. And, and may he rest in peace. I think that he's even get a chuckle out of it. We're t- we were talking when we first met, and he was saying that he had seen me on It's a Living, and he wanted me to know that he thought I did, you know, it was wonderful. And I said, that means a lot to me, because not only do I know you from Gilligan, but I know you from Dobie Gillis when mm-hmm. I was a child playing Maynard G. Kress. And I thought you were wonderful on that. You were a breakout character. And he thanked me for remembering that. He said, because, you know, now that he's been Gilligan, it's so hard to break out of mm. of the cliche of your character and for people to know you anything other than being Gilligan. And I said, I, I know I go through the same thing being a sunny man because now all people want to see me in as a tuxedo. I said, the one time I got an offer for a job not wearing a tuxedo, I was going to be wearing a suit at a wedding, but I was playing a magician. So you know he owns a tuxedo. Okay. <laughs> and we both laughed about it. And then the associate director, the AD, came over and said, it's time for us to get on camera. And we started to walk over there. And they looked at Bob and they said, Bob, do you want to take off the hat? And he said, no, I've got to wear the hat. They won't know me without the hat. <laughs> I thought, okay. <laughs> That's a true story. And you did Night Court, an episode, like the fourth or fifth episode of Night Court. I did. Uh, I think my bigger scene got cut for time, which was okay. That happened. And they, they called me before it aired to let me know, which was very nice of them. They don't always do that. Uh, but it was fun to be on the set with Harry because uh, I already knew Harry Anderson. And and I knew the director. And 
I had a good time on almost every senator, but then on, I must say, that it's, like I said before, I get a kick out of doing this and working and, and getting to meet all the people involved. I think it's why I do it. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun time on night court. But again, I was wearing a tuxedo, if I'm not mistaken. I was playing a yes. beauty pageant, uh, head of a beauty pageant. Yes, you're right. I didn't realize it. Yes. And you you liked game shows. Uh, I had a publicist at the time Okay. who said, you know, you should let me be your publicist. And I said, I don't know if I need a publicist. And he said, well, everybody kind of does if you can. And I said, but I don't really want to spend the money on a publicist. And he said, well, I have a lot of connections with game shows. And I think that you have, uh, I think that you might be good at game shows. So if you do the game shows, they pay you to be on them. And if I get you enough of them, it'll cover the cost that you'll have to pay me. <laughs> and I said, well, then let's give it a shot. Larry Frank, a smart man. Mm. And so I did. And I loved it. I loved doing them. But boy, they, they were nerve wracking. And uh, when you do that many of them, you have good ones. And then they'll have bad ones. And you, you're haunted by the ones, the people that you let down by not being perfect. I remember not being able to sleep the, the night before the first time I went on Pyramid because of what the impending pressure would be. Uh, but I loved doing it, and I felt like I was part of the Pyramid family and got to know all of them, including Bob Stewart, who uh, created the show. And, and I would I played cards with Bob for a while. Mm. I'm not a very good card player, and then I saw him about four months after I stopped playing, and he said, Kreppel, how come you're not playing cards anymore? And I said, well, I got other stuff I need to do. And he said, well, could you send me the $25? You're in my budget. <laughs> Yeah, I got. How much you'd make. Yeah, he was I, a wonderful man, and I had a great time there, and I, and I enjoyed uh, getting to know Dick Clark too while we were there, and all the other people, like all the other contestants. Sometimes, sometimes they'll get together as groups, just because we really did feel like we were part of a family. We got to uh, the people that were the regulars. I think I, I probably did at least twenty-five episodes of uh, of Pyramid. Yeah, Family Feud, Body Language, The New Hollywood Squares. The $25,000 Pyramid, the $100,000 Pyramid, Blackout, Super Password, and the $10,000 Pyramid. Well, that's, that's good. That's yeah. a nice list. Yeah. And New Hollywood <laughs> Squares... I did enjoy them. I actually uh, tested to be a host of a couple of games. I can see that. Dick Clark. Did you have to wear a tuxedo? I don't remember... But I came in and we did a lot of run-throughs. And I just wanted me to do one of them. Uh, he couldn't have been nicer about it. Uh, and then I, uh, <laughs> an interesting story. I, I, I did an episode of Duke Hauser, which will show up on your list. Yeah, greed is good. And I played, and I played a game show host. And at the end of the episode, when I said good night to the audience, I did a little salute. Oh. And a, a friend of mine over at Dick Clark, called me the next day and said, hey, Paul, um, so you're on Doogie Hauser? And I said, yeah. She said, Dick, um, Dick heard that you did his salute at the end of the episode. <laughs> he said, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, did I? I didn't mean to. I wasn't, like, copying him. So I called Dick up, and he, had, and he took my call, which already surprised me. And... He, didn't, he, he said, hi, Paul. That's all he said. And I said, Dick, hi. I, 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 I know you saw, you know that I was on Doogie Hauser playing a game show host. 
I never would have done your salute. I think your salute is a master scout, and I'm just a cup scout. I think I just did a little cup scout salute, and I, I and I'm <laughs> and it was totally unintentional. <laughs> and he laughed, and everything was fine. But there was a part of me that said, "Oops, did you did you do something wrong?" Right. No, it was all right. He he was always he was great to me. I enjoyed it. And I was going to say, um, you in it's a living. The last couple seasons, you directed six episodes. I ended up the last, excuse me, three seasons. I got to direct yes, six episodes. Not all of them are in the uh, are out there. They, all 120 episodes are not available for viewing because they couldn't clear the rights to a couple songs. Right. So they ended up having full a couple episodes because those songs were integral to the plot. So. Yes, I directed since where I started directing, but I had been observing for a number of years with the amazing, uh, primarily with the amazing Jake Sandridge. Oh, yeah. Who uh, is mentor and dearest friend, and I owe him so much in terms of uh, mentorship and friendship for the last, well, now it's almost, you know, like 40 years. It is 40 years. Yeah. So I think we met in 139 years. But he, I couldn't feel closer to anybody on, on this planet than I do to, to Jay. And uh, he was on The Cosby Show? Is that where you were working with him? I was observing on The Cosby Show. I was actually starting to talk to them about working for them in production because I had assisted... Uh, my dear friend J.D. Lobue, another wonderful director who was brought into New York to direct a short-lived show called Comedy Zone. Okay. And he said, uh, you know, they're trying to do television. It's not with, they're, they're more theater people. And I'm directing and I could use some help. And they've agreed to let me hire you on as my assistant. And I said, great, because I was in New York for a few months working, I think working with, you know, observing Jay. And so I went over and I assisted him on that show and really got involved in the production end of it and helping coordinate it all. Mm. And, uh, and I gotten great feedback from it. And so Jay Sandridge said, you know, why don't you talk to uh, Carsey Werner and Karen Mendenbach because they, they're going to need some help because they're expanding. And so I was talking to Karen and we got along great. And we were having a lot of meetings, and I said, it could have possibly happened when I got the call that it's a living was going to come back. Right. And I said to them, when it comes back, I said, if it comes back, can I get to direct some? And they said, uh, yeah, if you're ready. And Jay says, you're ready. And I, we don't see why that can't happen if it, you know, as the show proceeds. Not necessarily the first, not in the first 13 or so, but yet. And they fulfilled on that. Uh, they decided because Anne was going through her chemo mm. for a season that they didn't want to have a new director because you never know how long it's going to take when somebody's doing it for the first time. Right. That's just the nature of the game. And I understood that totally. So we didn't want to do it that first season while she was going through what she was going through. Right. And boy, she, she was a trooper. Mm. And not only was Anne talented, uh, I loved working with Anne, and she was a real theater, you know, she was a, a theater rat like I was. And like many of us, most of the people on that show came out of the theater. Marion Mercer won a Tony for Promises, Promises, and, 
and most of them had theater backgrounds. They weren't in L.A. to just do TV and, and film. Yeah, Judy Kahn told me Marion... Judy Kahn told me that Marion Mercer was the reason she took uh, Forever Farmer, her first TV job. Because they had the same agent. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had the same agent at the time. I'm trying to remember who Judy was with at the time. I thought she was with, uh, maybe with Joan Scott, writer's artist. Because she, she was with Kimball for a while, too. And maybe by then she wasn't. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, Marion was just... Marion was always perfection. She could do no wrong. She and was just the most charming, lovely presence ever. She always, yeah, she always spoke like very, I don't know what the word is, but. Yeah, and, was, and that's who she was. It was part of the character, but it was the essence of who Marion was. And when you see her on this show, I, I watch it with my, my, uh, my, my lady friend partner, my woman, my my woman friend. <laughs> we're we're not kids anymore. I don't like to call her my girlfriend, but she's my woman friend, and we've been together for for twenty years, right? Or almost twenty years. Uh, but we'll watch the show because she never really saw it back in the day, even though she did an episode. Uh, and every episode, she goes, "Oh my God, the clothes that Marion gets to wear in this show." <laughs> Judy Evans had the most fun creating these beautiful, but outrageously, just over the top, just enough over the top gowns for Marion. And every episode she, she wore, you know, three new dresses. I remember one of the first episodes I directed, I came out to give notes to everybody. And like I said, Marion was always flawless as an actress, which is what you say. So I came out and I said, Gail, blah, 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 Barry, you know, I'd give everybody a couple little notes, and I just looked, the only person I hadn't given a note to was Marion, so I looked at her, I said, Marion, nice dress, so <laughs> I went back into the booth to direct the scene again. <laughs> and you directed the last episode, too. The... I got credit for, um, technically the last episode, uh, yeah, it was like double the last episode, that was the wraparound, I think. The Sunny and Dot show. So reminiscing about all of our time together and that we were the we were the two that were left that weren't with other people and we ended on a very sweet lovely lovely note gail is still one of my dearest friends and i adore her gail and barry and i have maintained a relationship throughout the years that's nice it's good when you hear casts that like each other mm-hmm. um I'm just going to cut through some stuff. Uh, Murder, she wrote. What was it like working with Angela Lansbury? You know, you, you had said that, and I couldn't figure out what you meant. You know, Angela was no, nowhere to be found when I did the show. Oh. The episode we ended up doing, she may have introduced it. It was a backdoor pilot for Diana Canova. It, a backdoor pilot means an episode was in a show. I mm-hmm. you probably know this. It's an episode within a show that has the potential to spin off. Gotcha. So when Laverne and Shirley did Happy Days, that was kind of right. a pilot, you know, introducing the characters to see how they play. Uh, so we did an episode where she was a, a TV writer, and then she had a, a mentor who was Tim Thomerson, if I'm not mistaken, was a detective, who, and she was, and then there was a murder case that took place. And so it was a back, the murder she wrote was a backdoor pilot for that. And uh, Bruno, um, Bruno Kirby's 
It's okay. Wonderful actor. Yes. And uh, and a bunch of other people. And so and I love Diana. I have, I have met Angela and adore her because her her brother was the producer of Godspell. Yes, you. Uh, and yeah. Edgar, who who I still see usually every Christmas at a at a Christmas party. Good for them with their longevity. Funny is uh, last I mentioned Cy Rosen for uh, he's trying to get me Diana Canova because I'm a big soap fan. So yeah, well Diana is just charming and wonderful, and we we maintained a friendship over the years. Uh, yeah, she's just one of the most delightful people on the planet. And Jay Sandridge directed so we, Soap. Yes, Jay was the original director of Soap. Jay direct Jay. Yeah, God bless him. A lot. Being a mentor is so many people, including Jim Burroughs, uh, which is a cool story in itself, which I'm not going to tell. I'll let Jay tell it. Uh, but he, you know, he, he started off as uh, like a stage manager. His father was a famous film director. His father directed Top Hat. His father directed all the earliest Fair Rogers movies and died at a very early age. And Jay, so Jay kind of grew up around the business. And uh, I think he served in Korea, and after that he got into the DGA, and he started stage managing, and he worked on um, the Lucy shows, and started directing some for Lucy, and then he produced, uh, I could spend a half an hour talking about his career. He was a producer on Get Smart, mm. and then he directed, yes. uh, among other things, the, the pilots for Soap, Golden Girls, Empty Nest, Cosby. Uh, you know, he did all of those shows. Right. And, and, and uh, WKRT in Cincinnati. And so he was involved in the casting of all of these shows. And, and ultimately, a sitcom really relies on the chemistry mm. of the cast, putting those pieces of the puzzle together. And then, of course, the writing helps. But if you have a good cast, it makes it easier for the people to write 22 episodes a season, 26. Um, so Steve, they, yes, yeah. so, in uh, two weeks, uh, Stephen Camp. I'll be talking to Stephen Campman. So, oh yeah, sure. Well, Stephen and Su- and uh, and Judy. Yep. Our husband. And he was on WKRP. I mean, he produced KRP. He was. He was on New York the first season, and then he was on. Uh, and he before that, he had been on WKRP. Right. All right. You did a TV show. This is what I was alluding to um, earlier, called Clarissa Explains It All. shot down at uh, Universal Studios in Orlando. The episode was called Giant's Old Boyfriend, and it was written by my cousin Molly. Oh, wow. What's his name? Uh, Her name, Molly from English. Oh, Molly. I'm sorry. I I missed... That's okay, Molly, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So she wrote the episode? Yes. And I was like looking at your... I was like, oh, wow. So Cliff explains it all. I'm like, I wonder if it's one of the ones that Molly wrote, And and it was. She was down there. I met her. Yeah. Uh, and an old friend of mine was directing, and he called me in California and said, would you come down and do it? And I said, sure. And, well, that's a, there's our connection. Look at that. Yeah, I thought that there's was... Our sister. 
Exactly. Kevin Bacon. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, Melissa Joan, because she was, a, like, how old was she? Like 15, maybe? Yeah. I thought she was talented and so gifted and so poised. She was pretty cool. She was, she was, uh, I thought she was remarkable, because, you know, they're in school half the day. Right. And then they just kind of run, get thrown into a scene and have to shift gears, and then the minute there's a break, they go back into school. And I, um, I thought that she was remarkable in the way she handled it all. She was um, going to do uh, they were going to do it on CBS where she goes to college, but then she did she did Sabrina the Teenage Witch instead. CBS was going to pick it up. Yeah. All right. So then in 1992, yeah. you did Hello Mother, Hello Father, based on the songs of Alan Sherman. I grew up listening to those Alan Sherman songs, and uh, and then I got to know. His daughter, who, who worked in television for years as an associate director, maybe directed too, and uh, and it was and felt close to her. And then I got a call to come to New York to do, you know, to audition for Hello Mother, Hello Father. They were putting a musical together of the show, and I said, Oh my God, this, this is something I have to go in for and keep my fingers crossed. And yes, I got to do it. And we had a blast, an amazing cast. Um, depending on if you know theater or not, uh, the people that are in it are people people know. Jason Grah, who was an original plan in Forever Plans, he had a lot to do with the creation of that show. And Steve Berger, who was a wonderful character actor, who was just in Kinky Boots on, on Broadway, and then okay. he was involved in um, Little Shop of Horrors off Broadway. And Trova Felcher. Oh, yeah. The woman named Mary Tester, Tony nominee Mary Tessa, uh, and, and me. And that, that was the cast. And we did a, we did a reunion concert at, uh, at the Club 54 Below just a couple of years ago that I helped put together. And we had so much fun getting up there and doing two shows of just pretty much singing the song and a couple of little connected tissue scenes in between some of the songs uh yeah it, it was a pleasure to be able to and it's really a wonderful show it's you think it's just going to be silly in the songs and then it really it, uh, michael leeds who directed it and uh, uh the, the writers krauss and and bernstein they they created a beautiful review uh, I'm real proud to have been a part of it, and then we directed it and had performances of it on the West Coast. We toured it in a little van to all the performing arts centers out in Southern California. 